0: You are listening to episode four of the Memoir Method Podcast, the place for writers, readers, and anyone who appreciates the collective power of our stories. In this podcast, we explore the impact of memoir alongside an examination of writing techniques and strategies used in the genre. Whether you're an aspiring writer looking for inspiration, guidance, or a passionate reader seeking meaningful connections through shared experiences, the Memoir Method Podcast is your go-to conversation spot. This quarter, we're discussing the memoir, From the Ashes, by Jesse Fissel. I'm your host, Charlotte, editor, writer, and the heart behind Bookish Edits. And today, I'm joined by my friend and reader and writer, Ginny Walters. Ginny, we've tried to record this. We've tried to like, schedule this recording so many times. How do you feel?
1: I feel like it's eight,
0: maybe? <laughs> it's been a lot. It's a lot. 'Cause it can ruin a lot of things. So I'm just glad that we, that we're here and we got the tech to work. And, <laughs> and now we get to talk about books.
1: So, yeah, I'm super excited. This is going to be really fun. Thanks for having me.
0: Um, yeah, and this podcast wouldn't even be happening if it weren't for you. So, so we have a lot, a lot to thank you for.
1: Well, I think it might be happening. It just might not be happening in the same way because I believe that you would have done it anyway.
0: <laughs> I I like that uh, that generous, aspirational friendship. That's me. That's what I give. <laughs> so, you and I met on Instagram. We sure did, and we've been Instagram friends for a while, and then just kind of connected more as like real face to face internet friends. Yeah,
1: I, I was thinking. Yeah, I was thinking about this the other day. How we actually did get first connected. Like I know it was on Instagram, but I also Mm -hmm. think that we were both tell me if I'm wrong. I think we were both members of the modern Mrs. Darcy book club during COVID. I joined like when everything shut down, like 2020. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe you were like already in it.
0: Um, I've been in it for a little bit.
1: Yes. And so there are a handful of people who I still follow, who I initially met through there. And so I, thank you, Anne, (laughs) Um, because I think that was, I think that was the connection. And then like it grew from there.
0: When we, we always have very similar responses to books. I knew that if you really liked a book, I'm like, I'll probably like that. And if you read a book I've been thinking about and didn't like, I was like, I'll just, I will not even, I will not bother. So it's it's always handy yeah. to have a friend like that. Who can you kind of, yes. it's almost and like I, reading, can maximize our reading lives together. Yes. And I think there was even a conversation at one
1: point. I don't know if it is something that like Ann Bogle talks about on her podcast, or maybe it was something related to like a modern Mrs. Darcy forum conversation Mm -hmm. about finding your book twin. Do you remember this? Yes. I do. do. And we were like, I I think you're my book twin. Are you my book twin?
0: It's kind of a fun discovery.
1: mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There have Mm -hmm. been a couple, I feel like a few, where we've Mm -hmm. sort of. Had very different likes and dislikes, but generally speaking it's pretty pretty on point
0: and if if you ever like don't like a book that I did or vice versa I'm much more open to to knowing why instead of like getting like you didn't like that book you know because sometimes you get that way with books mm-hmm. you know like we we get that way but um I we always have good bookish conversations we do and We're going to have one now. (laughs) Yeah, we are. So uh, the way that we're going to handle these memoir-specific conversations, so we're uh, doing four books a year, uh, quarterly memoir deep dive. And uh, most of those conversations will be the two of us. And this first one is we're just going to talk about our overall reading experience with this memoir. So the book is From the Ashes. By Jesse Thistle. And Jenny, you were the one who recommended this one to me. You actually read it. I don't know when you read it. It had to have been before the spring. When you. When we first started talking about this podcast.
1: So I read it. I have my book journal right here. This is how I read it. I read it in March. It was a pick by someone else for my real life book club for April. So I read it, I read it in March and I actually listened to it. So. Oh yeah. Okay. What, so
0: he reads that. How was that? Cause I read it in print.
1: Yes. He reads it. Um, I wrote about that a lot in my book journal. The fact that listening to him, I think was really good for me. There are a lot of, heavy topics in here so I understand why somebody might not want to listen to it like some people just don't enjoy listening to certain things they would rather read them Mm -hmm. on the page but for me I felt like when I was listening I could really hear a lot of the emotion in his voice whether it was during a part of the book where things were going well or whether it was like a much more traumatic, sad or frustrating or just an experience where he was troubled by something. Mm-hmm. I I felt like I could really hear that in his voice. And so that made me really emotional and I think gave me pretty, like, sometimes visceral emotional reactions to things. I think that I still probably would have had those emotional reactions if I had read it on paper. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. Like, I'm not sure that they would have been as strong for me had I not been hearing his voice. He Mm -hmm. also has, like when he reads his, he has a very soothing voice. He also has a very like intentional voice and a slow voice. And so it didn't necessarily feel like he was just reading from the page. It also felt like he was adding a lot of emotion to it as he was reading.
0: Well, cause I read it in paper and and I don't know if I have the same visual reactions, which I'm not I want to go back and reread now on audio. But I feel like it's very emotional. You can you kind of feel like he's he's sharing a lot and it's really a lot of it's really dark. Something that we had talked about before about this book is in the print version it has some photos in it as well it has pictures of him as a child and it has pictures of his dad who is a major presence in his life through his absence uh so you see a lot you see a few photos and that that made the book more real to see this this little child and then as he's talking about his childhood to kind of be able to picture this little boy who's been abandoned by his parents. Before we go deeper, the the premise of the story is Jesse, it's about his childhood, about pretty much the first three decades of his life. And he was abandoned by both parents raised, he and his brothers were raised by their grandparents. And he falls into drugs and crime and addiction. He is homeless a lot. Um, and that's kind of about how he comes out of that. And he's currently a doctoral candidate at York university in Toronto, which is wild. Like when you read this, the, the biggest thing when I tell people about this book, I, I tell them that many times when I was reading, especially in like the last third, when things for him are pretty dire if this were a novel, I would say oh, this is completely unbelievable. No one would ever go through this much. Like th- it's completely unbelievable, except that this has actually happened. And you know that he's okay. You know that he's okay. Cause that was kind of stressful. Like how, how was, how is he going to get out of this? There's a the part where he has a, he shattered his foot. It's trying to heal and he's homeless. And I'm like, well, I don't know where he's going to go from here. And, but you know, he's okay because he is writing this book. And so it's a really, it was a really interesting experience being really stressed out for this character, for this character you really come to care about and know this is real. All of this actually happened.
1: One of the parts that was so visceral for me, like where I did have a lot of emotion was the part where he shatters his foot I don't think this is a spoiler alert. He falls out of a window and a high window on a building. And he the ends up shattering high, I think. Yeah. And he mm-hmm. ends up shattering his foot. And like you mentioned, he's homeless. So the ability for him to get care and then keep up with care is mm-hmm. a challenge for a lot of reasons. But that was a moment where I was just like, I don't understand how, like, someone falls out of a three-story window and then has a pretty severe injury from it. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, Like, I remember thinking when I was listening to it, oh, he's going to die. And then it was like, well, he can't die. He's writing this book. Like, I know uh-huh. like I know he doesn't die. Like, he's writing this book. It's not like a ghostwriter. It's not like, it's very clear. Like, he's actually reading the book to me. So he can't, he doesn't die. But I really did think like, oh my gosh, he fell out of a window. Like, he's going to die.
0: And, and his and, foot is uh, completely shattered.
1: Yeah, it's and- not like... A twisted ankle. It's like his foot is completely shattered. But the other thing that stuck out to me from the book beyond, like, specific events of the book is that when he finally is able to recover, because he tries multiple times, right? It's not like he it's not like the first time he tries to recover is like toward the end of the book. And then he's successful, right? Like he tries to, yeah, he tries to do it multiple times. He tries to like recover from being addicted to different things. He tries to like, he's homeless and then he has a home and then he's homeless again. And then he, so it's a very fluid journey, but the thing that stuck out to me at the end or towards the end when he was finally able to recover is how important the collective piece of his recovery ended up being because like every time he tried to do it on his own, I think it was mostly him. Right. Mm -hmm. And then when he ended up having more people around him who were helping him and guiding him and also Ended up in a position where he had more access to like social services and things like that to help him. Then he was able to to make the jump and get where he really wanted to be. So I think yeah, I did think about that his own a lot,
0: lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: like yeah. even I from think about being that.
0: a teenager. Yeah. Okay. So tell me about like, what, when you think about how his recovery was a collective effort and success, what, what is your response to that as a reader and a person? Well, I think one of the things that is important to
1: remember, at least it was for me as I was reading the book is that this book takes place in Canada And we're reading it, I mean, we both live in the United States, so we're reading it Mm -hmm. from that perspective. And so I think about how indigenous populations have been treated all over the world, but then how different countries and different organizations are working to repair the damage that they've caused in... Lots of different ways. And so I think about, you know, if there's a person who is living down the street from me or, you know, I personally where I live in the United States, like I don't live very far from Native American reservations. And so I think about social services that are available to them and social services that aren't available to them and how. I think this book really demonstrates the importance of collective, community-engaged recovery in helping people, everyone, but I think particularly marginalized populations and groups that we have not historically treated well. Just their need for their communities to be around them and not feel like they have to do it on their own. And I think this book demonstrates that it's often impossible to do on your own. And so you need these kinds of social services and communities around you to help you.
0: And I think his, I mean, it's in the subtitle, uh, my story of being indigenous homeless and finding my way. And so his, identity as, um, I think it's, uh, Matisse Cree is the, the tribe that he's a part of. His relationship to his ethnic identity in, in Canada specifically, I found really fascinating because as a child, he, he would deflect, he would kind of ignore it or pretend that he wasn't, or tell people he was from somewhere else or, he did a lot to deflect that and not, and and kind of reject that integral part of who he is. And, uh, and conversely, he, one of his brothers, he's the youngest of three brothers. And one of his brothers as a high schooler really started to learn more about that indigenous heritage and what that would mean to him. And he really leaned into that part of himself. And it was interesting to see, jesse's response to that and he so you have i feel like you had these two brothers on two different ends you had one who's embracing and learning about this cultural part of himself that has the the society around him has tried to eradicate in in the past and he's trying to reclaim that and when jesse starts to recover he starts and he starts embracing and accepting and healing that part of himself as well. As he hits rock bottom later, which there were a few times where I thought, oh, it's it's rock bottom now. Oh no, it's rock bottom now. Oh no, there's still another rock bottom. Uh, but as he starts to recover and heal, he he becomes more, he almost has a vision of his heritage and what his being indigenous means for him and it spiritually and he really started to recover and heal once he accepted and embraced the indigenous part of him and i i found that really interesting and moving i wish he'd spent more time on that in the book i felt like the whole, if there was any critique I have of the book, I felt like there was so much on rock bottom, rock bottom, rock bottom. And I wanted more about the healing and recovery and what that, I I would just, I wanted more of that. And I mean, that also speaks to the emotion that it takes to write about your life this way. And what you're willing to give to readers and what you're not willing to give to readers. Uh, Maybe that was something to go into later when we kind of look at it more with an editorial lens as, as aside from a reader lens. But I, if there's anything that I, that left me wanting in this book, it was that balance of dissent and redemption. Adam' maybe you didn't notice that. Or does that How did you feel about the balance of that? I think about
1: how much pain he probably went through in in writing this book. I, I did think that like his journey of figuring out what his identity meant to him, And I think it's perfectly understandable why somebody would not want to embrace an identity that has caused pain, right? And so I think in general, it's a great commentary sort of about what identity is and the parts of it that we want to embrace and the parts of it that we don't, but then the parts of it that we need to embrace in order to heal sometimes I, I do distinctly remember a lot of his conversation or just like exploration of language. Like I thought that was that piece of it was really interesting, like recognizing words that like indigenous words and, and like, oh, I, I did speak that. And then like his grandparents, or maybe I don't remember who it is, but someone tells him like, oh yeah, you used to. Like, you used to basically be bilingual. And he's like, what? So I think that is is an interesting piece of it that I suppose I feel like it could have maybe been developed a little bit more. But I also think about a lot of the things that you say as an editor, where you talk about the difference between writing a memoir and journaling. And mm. I think about, like, how much is probably in his journal, right? That, that we really should not see, right? Like that's his, like he's keeping that for himself as he should. And I think about what's in my journal that, (laughs) that I, I keep for myself as I should. And so I think it's also part of his healing process to have a lot of things that he intentionally is not sharing with the world so
0: it's hard for me to read memoir without turning on an editor brain and so while that may have been part of the reading experience for me as an editor I would never ask a writer to write more trauma (laughs) and and that I think is what really distinguishes memoir from fiction and other narrative as well as other nonfiction is the curated presentation and the absence of judgment in that presentation you know he and we we're going to go into this in a different episode but kind of the you know what his thesis what his core message could be in this book and who he's writing for and we if if memoir is going to teach us anything, is that we have the right to share our stories and we also don't have the right to demand other stories or what they're not willing or able to share. And I think it, it's a really engaging with memoir is a really profound way of meeting people where they are and accepting what they have to give and offering a lot of grace. Yes.
1: yeah what what she said Um. (laughs) I did also appreciate in his writing of the memoir how vivid a lot of the other characters were (laughs) I thought or a lot of the other people there were some people at the beginning who I thought were going to end up being side characters, or I shouldn't even say at the beginning, like when we were first introduced to them, I was like, this person's not going to end up being very important, but then they come back later and they are very important. And I just think there's a commentary there as well about Mm -hmm. how we engage with other people and how we meet other people and how we might not know whether or how somebody's Mm going to be important. And then, they can end up becoming a very important part of our lives or part of a specific piece of our recovery or journey or our story, just like a a really important part of our story. I think that that was really like the last thing that, that stuck out to me was how much other individuals ended up impacting him, even though he didn't realize that they were going to
0: we're going to have another episode where we kind of dive into the different writing devices that he uses. And I I do want to talk about characters because a lot of the pivotal characters in his story are defined by their absence. And I thought that was a very profound choice that he made and I think it's one that there there's a lot of readers who will be able to relate to that to that absence and to see how all these different people, what through their presence or absence, affect his development as a child, as a teenager. And then as he's recovering, you know we get to meet who will later a woman who will later become his wife and how she steps into that messy recovery and and helps him like get a driver's license and and kind of reintegrate with society and and so you see going back to what you're saying about that collective component of the book he became isolated in his addictions because of people around him or their absence and he recovered from that because of people choosing to be there. And something else I think will be fun to examine a little bit more deeply later is he sprinkles in poetry throughout the book. And the, the way he writes, it's more little vignettes, you know, kind of jumping from one scene to the next and he will sprinkle in, um, he'll sprinkle in poetry. And that was quite lovely. And they I, are
1: beautiful on audio. They are beautiful portions of the book. After this, he I want to say it came out last year. But he wrote a book of poetry. And it's very good. I finished it. I read it over the summer. Like, in fits and starts. But, yeah, it's very good. It's, it's wide-ranging in its topics.
0: Um... But it's, it's a really wonderful book of poetry. And to, have, and to know that's written after his recovery is definitely one I'm going to want to visit after reading this memoir. So that's From the Ashes. Unless you have anything else you want to say about how you experienced the book.
1: No, I think those were all of the things that I really wanted to hit on. In terms of things that stick out, things that I still think about. Mm -hmm. um, As, you know, I read this, it's September. Yeah. And I finished this at the beginning of April
0: and I still think about this book. So, And I think if there's anything that I, that feeling I had was that this is stranger than fiction. Like just the fact that i am reading this and this is really this really happened to someone this isn't just Mm -hmm. something they're making up to be dramatic this actually happened to a real person who is now thriving against literally every odd he's literally and has a family and is has a career at a university and to realize we we can see people how they present but we don't know how they got there and similarly you can see someone on the street who's homeless but you also don't know what got them there either and so just the this book has has made me pause more in how i think about people i don't know and I feel like most good memoir will inspire their readers to extend grace, but this book especially made me want to be softer to the people I encounter. That feels like a great ending. (laughs) I think you're right. (laughs) So um, our next uh, episode, will be taking this book, uh, through the memoir method framework, which I talked about in episode two and kind of breaking it down through to kind of start seeing it as, as an, as I would approach memoir as an editor. And so that's what be the next time we talk about From the Ashes, that is what we will be discussing. So Jenny, where can people find you on the internet if they want to you know, may if they want to see what you're reading or, um, writing, I, I love that you've been writing a bit. So it, where would people find you if they wanted to?
1: The best place for folks to find me is on Instagram. So I am at Ginny reads and writes. So all spelled out, uh, G I N N Y
0: reads a N D writes. Perfect. I'm very excited for the conversations we'll get to have about this book and all the other books. So me too, friend. This was lovely. And thanks for coming on.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm excited for the next one.
0: You can find me Charlotte on Instagram at charlotte.edits.books or at my website, bookishedits.com. You can find show notes and anything else we mentioned in the episode at bookishedits.com slash podcast slash four. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. You've just listened to episode four of the Memoir Method podcast. The Memoir Method podcast is presented by Bookish Edits. If you like what you heard, the best way to support the show is to subscribe through your preferred podcast player. And if you're feeling especially inspired, I'd love it if you left a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Leaving a review really does help other readers and writers like yourself find the show. Thank you for tuning in. I'll see you next time. And remember that you have a story that matters.
1: Oh my gosh. <clears throat> I googled request live call in Riverside. Okay. And um the but I got 911 dispatch communications for Riverside County Sheriff.
0: <laughs> awesome. And I was like, no. Nope.
1: <laughs> Not what I wanted. <laughs> oh my gosh.